Blog Talk Radio. In much less detail, the podcast where we cut through the noise and give you your NFL breakdown in much less detail. Here are your hosts, Jay and Dre. Yeah, y'all know what time it is. It is time for a much less detailed podcast here with you live on a Tuesday night, not a Wednesday. It's a shocker. On a Tuesday night, October the 9th, 2018, I'm Dre, he's Jay. Yes, we have your NFL Week 5 recap on a Tuesday. Our normal night's supposed to be Tuesday, but circumstances in both of our situations have made our recap night usually take place on a Wednesday, but nope, we're getting together on a Tuesday like we're supposed to. Jay really needs us to get together on a Tuesday because tomorrow he's on the road all day taking care of his mom, picking her up for the hospital, so she'll be coming back home, which is a good thing. Uh, but first, we'll talk about week five in the league. And to me, it was a lot of surprising and eye-raising things that happened out there. Uh, not the typical week of, of action to me. Uh, I think there were a lot of things that I did not expect at all that, that wound up happening, uh, some of which may shape the league going forward, some of which may not. Uh I was not expecting at all the the Kansas City Chiefs to dominate the Jaguars like they did. I was not expecting the Minnesota Vikings to go up into Philadelphia and kind of dominate them. I know the score doesn't indicate that necessarily. Uh, a lot of things uh, to talk about from Week Five. Uh, pretty uh, pretty active week. Yeah, it was pretty wild. It was that week that sort of makes us think like, ah, oh, you know, we we were starting to feel like we know what we're doing. And and this is usually the kind of week that, that comes around. You know, just when you start to think that you've got to read on things, you got to get a little bit of that uh, uncertainty thrown back in your face. So it was it was definitely uh, it was definitely interesting. Um, I know you ended up edging me out for the week on the ones that we disagreed on, although in extremely cheap fashion in a couple of games. Uh, but they, they all count. I mean, you got. Cincinnati scores two defensive touchdowns in the fourth quarter. I don't know what that was all about um, to basically steal a, a win. I mean, that wasn't just a Miami cover. That was a Miami win. And then on Sunday night, we have Houston. Every time I looked up at that game, Houston was at the one yard line of the Cowboys. How did they only win? How did that game even get to <laughs> overtime? That was That is the most lopsided overtime game I think I've ever watched. Houston completely dominated that game. I mean, they, they they were camping in Dallas territory for that whole game, but they just could not punch that ball through into the end zone on on multiple occasions. It seemed like they were down there at least three times. I, I mean, no joke. Every time I look, Houston was at the one yard line. Um, and, and then they end up having to kick a field goal in overtime that they might not have, that they probably shouldn't have even had to do. Um, because I you you jumped on uh, to the Twitter to to give some love to your boy Jason Garrett for his uh, choice of punting in Houston territory in overtime. And, and that, that's, that's zero, that's zero, you know, killer mentality going for playing not to lose. I mean, all the adages that you hear 
about these coaches who get a little tentative or a little conservative, and it and it came up and it bit them right in the ass. No testicular fortitude. No. None. None. Zero. No stones. No nothing. And they lost. <laughs> they never saw the ball again. That's why you no. don't do that. They never no. touch the rock again. Well, I, I tell you, though, we are starting to run into this that I predicted a couple of years ago with these overtime rules, with the 10-minute overtime. How many of these overtime games, it seems like teams, teams are kicking this game-winning field goal with, like, no time left. Right. Yeah, all the all the time is bleeding down, and it's either it's now or never. And yeah, uh, it's a different game. That is a that, that overtime, that ten minute overtime. That's a different t- style of football. That's not really the game. So I'm not a big fan of it. But it's what it is. What it is. That's what it is today. Is is sort of like a, a mix between arena football and Madden when you get to the the, the ten minute quarters and you're trying to figure out, yeah. okay, can we keep this thing for the whole ten minutes and and get the last, get the one possession, or we will keep it for six minutes, and then do we punt? Do we go for it? Do we want to extend the drive? Uh, yeah. it, it's bizarre. It, it's really bizarre to me. It, yeah, I, I predicted um, when they went to these rules, and it was this was within the range of the podcast, so I know I did this on air, that I, I predicted we'd see a lot more ties. And it, the first year of it, there were hardly any, and I was like, "Oh man!" Or there were maybe there weren't even any at all. And I was like, this, "These new rules, there's gonna be, there's gonna be ties." And we now we've already had two this year, and we have been on the cusp of at least three more. Yeah, field goals with less than ten seconds left, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah a team uh, that scored a touchdown, I believe, was that Tennessee that scored a touchdown with almost no time remaining. Now they probably would have if that had not been the touchdown in that game. They would have kicked the field goal to tie it. Yeah. That Corey yeah, Davis they, touchdown was with eight seconds left or four seconds. I mean, it was basically like this was our last chance to win the game outright. Otherwise, we got to kick the field goal and go for the tie. Yeah, that game was kind of like Madden in that they had yeah. that drive uh, to w- just wear the Eagles down. If they, if yeah. they had the Madden uh, energy button or, or the, the levels that you could see that they were all in the you know 80 or 70% of themselves, <laughs> Yeah, they, they were just their tongues were dragging, so that was just uh, another bizarre ending. But and I yeah, also, we, I also want to just give a big middle finger fuck you to the Buffalo Bills for winning that game <laughs> because if they hadn't won that game with that field goal, I believe I would have had a twelve to ten final with a fifty yard field goal by the Titans being the deciding factor. You're all over the winning ugly. You almost had the whole thing nailed, yeah. I almost had, other than the fact that it was going to be a 54-yarder as time expired, I was looking at it like, holy shit, they're up 12-10 to 10 and they scored this last these last points on a 50-yard field goal. And I'm just now then I'm just rooting against the Bills to win so I could come on air and say not only did I nail the score, I almost n- nailed the manner of the, of the win. We still had the Bills in the pick. Because neither one of us, I believe, trusted the Titans as uh, five and a half point favorites. No, uh, it, but it is. Yeah, it is telling that uh, all these impressive, important wins over these big time teams that the Titans have under their winning ugly style. But you can't beat the Buffalo Bills, uh, really. Well, so maybe they got a little Steelers in them. But, or this is, but but again, this is the only way it seems like the Titans know how to win. 
And this one, this time it got them. They left too much time on the clock, apparently. Also, they don't have the right playmakers to trust to put a game like that away because they had a touchdown that would have put it away through some guy's hands. It was wide open and walking into the end zone. Uh, guy's so insignificant. I don't remember his name, and I'm not going to look it up because it doesn't matter. He, he blew the he blew the, the game. The, the catch that would have put the game away. That's all you need to know about him. So all this winning ugly is is fine. That's cute, but. Uh, you're not going to put together 12 wins like that, or, or maybe not even 10. You you got a no. few, but you know you got to clean that shit up if you want to win more than that. Yeah, and the Titans, and of, but of course, uh, keep pace with the Jags, who go to Kansas City, and uh, Blake Bortles throws for 400 yards and four picks. See, that's the thing. I'm wondering uh, if if, they, if he doesn't uh, go turtling and go down with the pass rush and Kansas City surprised me by being able to pressure him a lot. D Ford wound up playing in that game and, and leading a, a, a brutal attack on Bortles and he just turned into he turned into the Blake Bortles of old for the yeah. for the first half there. Just the worst looking turnovers you could imagine and just throwing the ball up for grabs for anyone to get. Uh but yes, did turn it around in the second half to lead a, an attempt at a comeback and winds up throwing for all those yardage. And it's it's the Kansas City Chiefs defense. It's their secondary that we know is trash. So we figured he would have a big day in the air like that. So that leaves the question. If they don't go hunt him down, if they don't pressure Bortles into all these horrible mistakes, and he puts together that much yardage and he throws enough to, to win the game. So Kansas City with the big win, the question is, was that was that a fluke? Should the Jaguars maybe have actually been in that thing and, and maybe won it after all? I'd, I'd be curious to see a rematch. You know, it's almost one of those where he's like, okay, let's see you guys do that again. You know, is this just that the Chiefs caught the Jags on a bad day? Everybody has a bad day. These are two especially great Blake teams. Bortles. Especially Blake Bortles. He could have some bad days. Pat Mahomes had an all right game. No touchdowns, right. two picks. He had an oh, but but. You know, kind of did what they needed to do. I mean, they put 30 up on Jacksonville, but when Jay, you know, Blake Bortles throws the ball into the Kansas City arms four times, again, this is the basically the the the, the Chiefs did what the Jags do. <laughs> they flipped the field position. They got all the turnovers. They sort of flipped the script on this game and did what we expected Jacksonville to do. The Chiefs did it, and, and the Chiefs have a terrible secondary. Blake Bortles threw for over 400 yards. Blake Bortles gave up 430 to Blake Bortles, but yeah. I, but that was the expected part to me. That wasn't yeah. the surprise. The surprise was the the Chiefs actually getting home and forcing him into all those errors. That I did not expect. No, I clearly the Chiefs were up for this game. This was this was anti Mike Tomlin and and the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, this was oh they played up to their competition. They played way up to their competition. <laughs> They got up, and they were at home. And we know how hard it is to go to Arrowhead. And I, We I, do, but we don't get to tout that after we us. both spent 10 no, minutes telling everybody that yeah. Jacksonville is going to go in and take this game. I, I, I still don't, you know, again, I don't think we had it read wrong. I just think the Jags had a bad day. Okay, well, this is you doing it this time. That's usually my move to, to well, yeah, well, I lost a pick, but really, you know. Yeah, but I was really – right now, I mean, if they played that game again, you know, I I don't – 
there's a very high likelihood that these teams are going to meet again. Oh, it's it's possible, no no doubt. They yeah, should both I, be right I, there. Yeah, I mean, we're, I mean, the Jags are the Jags are all but three and two, and we still we both have them ticketed for the Super Bowl. <laughs> still, we do, and, and and they haven't yeah, shown I'm, me anything to say that. that they can't do it. Right, they, they were uh, good I'm enough to go to the pick. Super Bowl last year, and they were only ten and six. And for everyone that would say correctly, hey, this puts Kansas City in great position if there is a rematch to obviously host that. And so Jackson would have to go back there again. That's absolutely true. Mm -hmm. I just would warn you about Andy Reid hosting playoff games. That's not uh, (laughs) that's not the history you want to really go with. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and don't forget that this team was, what, a few minutes away from going to the Super Bowl in Foxborough. That's right. So I, I don't I, I think that if they do meet again, and I think there's a strong likelihood that they could, um, I think the Jags will be game. So sort sort of fluky to me, but that's maybe you know losers lament looking yeah, at it that fine. way. But yeah, I, <laughs> but, but that's my move. I kind of I kind of do that. Um, I already I, I already lamented two losses that I had to you this week that were I mean come on. Oh, sure. I was looking at that, that that Houston uh, overtime win with yeah. the field goal, and, and for a minute I thought it was a push because I, I thought it was a three-point spread. Yeah, that said, had the oh, hook out there. There's the hook. There, yeah. There's that hook. But that that should have never even been close to that. I mean, the, the, <laughs> the Texans dominated that game. Until the red zone. We talk about yeah. this many times. Not even the times. red zone. The one-yard line. Right. <laughs> well, what inside the ten? What's that? Is that the blue zone, the green zone? If that's if the twenty is the red zone, uh, when you got in the no, I'll inside tell you what the, the ten, one yard line is the one yard line. Is the, the, give me a fucking break zone because they couldn't score. <laughs> hey, they did that have was. that. Yeah, they had that series where it was uh, first and goal at the one, and they could not make it in. Um, Multiple. Yeah. Uh, well, we talk about that every year. There's, there's always a few games where we go, if you would just find a way to break through once you got in the red zone, you can go mm-hmm. up and down the field in between the 20s. That's great. But what usually it's uh, pertaining to the Falcons uh, because they have a tendency yeah. to go up and down the field and then stall in the red zone. But this time it was the Texans who just kept going. And actually watching the game, I didn't even – take that as uh, as as Houston choking or, or not being able to get it done. I actually gave credit to the Cowboys defense. They have some athletes on that defense, and they really stepped up when it was time to, to stop the ball from oh, yeah. going into the end zone. And they, they were it was just the Cowboys making a bunch of really good plays, which I'm not used to saying about the Cowboys defense. But they got some guys that can play, and I really think that's what stopped Houston from going in. Uh, but, yeah, a really good day offensively in between the 20s. Uh, especially New Hopkins, who was just a, a whirling dervish out there. But uh, in the end, it only comes to a, a three-point win for me, which, thank goodness, uh, the hook was on there. Uh, but, yeah, that play, that Ezekiel Elliott, uh, the, the play in overtime where Zeke has the ball on third and one, gets stuffed, which, you know, that might scare off most coaches. I shouldn't say most coaches. That, that will scare off a lot of coaches into punting, which is what happened to Jason Garrett. So to, to, to crash down on him for that, which is what I did in the heat of the moment, but it's a tough call. I, in, in retrospect, that's not an easy call. I, I don't want to 
crash all the way down on Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett makes a lot of bad decisions. Jason Garrett, I don't think, is a very good NFL head coach. He's so he's all right, but but he's not very good. But that is a that's a tough call. You get you already look at your guy, your your big bell cow running back, the the big man, the man that runs through everybody. You just watched him get smoked and, and shut down on third and one. And to come right back and say, here we go on fourth and one, let's do it again. Uh, Bill Belichick would have done that. You know, a lot of other Hall of Fame championship coaches would have done that. Jason Garrett's not a championship coach. So, you know, it is what it is. But, and it's a tough call. But, yeah, when you think about the strength of the Cowboys and then you think about Jason Garrett, who really doesn't even like the strength of the Cowboys, he doesn't want to run the ball anyway. He wants to throw all the time. And he's, he almost got shamed into running the ball more uh, before Ezekiel Elliott got there. When when they put together that great offensive line that was clearly grading out perfectly or near perfectly when you ran the ball, but because he had Tony Romo and Des Bryant, he wanted to throw all the time. Uh, he, he didn't really want to start running, but he had to. And now you draft Ezekiel Elliott, you really have to. So you think about the strength of the team. And you go, yes, you think it's a no-brainer to run. But then, you know, he doesn't really want to run anyway. So I, I almost kind of understand what he did. But, yeah, it, it was a bad look. Yeah, not not the way you want to go down. And, again, it's easy to easy to second-guess because they lost the game. Right? There you go. This is obviously uh, something that you – look back on after the fact, after they go down and lose the game. But yeah, that even if uh, Houston turns around and isn't able to get the field goal and it does turn into a tie, uh, he was going to get questioned about that afterwards because it's the, the, the optics of it. It's Ezekiel Elliott on the one yard line. It's almost as bad as having Marshawn Lynch at the one yard line uh, and deciding almost. not to go for it at the one, at the one almost. trying to go into yeah. the end zone, which on by the way, down, on second down, on second down for the for the Super Bowl, uh, yeah. but I don't know if you watched the highlights, but it happened again. Your your boy Murga uh, had <laughs> had beast mode at the one yard line, yeah. and had uh, Derek Carr drop back and pass, and, and he didn't just throw an interception; he threw it right to a guy standing there in the middle of the end zone, with beast mode just standing on the side, going, "What? What? What, what are we doing? Come on!" So it happened again. You can't blame Daryl Bevel for this one, folks. This was maybe worse. it's just maybe people just don't like Marshawn Lynch or something. Why the fuck does no one want to run with beast mode at the one yard line? What are you doing? Why I mean, do we, we talk not want about, to do this? Don't we talk about this every year where there's that one game where it just drives me over the edge where a team gets down to the one yard line and then passes four times and then doesn't oh, score? Because everyone thinks they're a passing genius now. Yeah. Yeah. When you've got to go three feet, I, I mean, an arm's just, length, just a, get a, you know, a, a long reach with your arm, and that's a touchdown. And you you, you got these 300-pound, 350-pound guys up front, and you can't push somebody into the end zone and get behind one of those guys one time out of four? And if you're scared <sighs> to run, just, just do the Brady and have your quarterback just extend his arms and put the ball over the goal line like that. Or, or, or the or the Drew Brees right where he just jumps up, puts it over, and then tucks it right back in. Mm-hmm. Uh, when was the last time we saw somebody just run a naked boot? Uh, I used to work all the time. 
Probably uh, Vinny Testaverde or something like that. I remember the 49ers used to have a tight end, and I can't remember his name, but it always drove me nuts because the guy would, like, pretend to fall over <laughs> at the goal line. Like, they would run the goal line play, and he would, like, go to block somebody and then, like, fall to the ground and then jump right oh, back up and catch a touchdown. Yeah. And that was, like, <laughs> their move. And it was like, oh, my God, you knew exactly what they were going to do. Mm-hmm. This no, was, like, I, back I... in the Steve Young uh, Jeff Garcia yeah. kind of era, yeah. But they had yeah, a guy who was like, that was like, his, it was his best move was to pretend like he fell over at the goal line and, and then pop, and then everybody forgot about him. And then he just jumped back up and run into the open area. That was a trend for a, for a little while too. There was a, there were more than one guys uh, that did that. Yeah. So I don't know, Brad, somebody's going to bring that one back. It's cyclical. Football is cyclical. It'll come back someday. Just, just wait. <laughs> It'll become the cool thing to do again, and then they'll give it a stupid name. <laughs> Speaking of cool, I just wanted to talk about the uh, – I don't have the words for the, the whole uh, Linval-Joseph move where he gets the, the fumble uh, for Minnesota against the Eagles and runs it in for the yeah. touchdown, the big, the big man. I don't have a name for the, for the move where his, his move is to go to the sideline and put on a pair of sunglasses while sucking the oxygen mask. I don't know what that is, but I know that's 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 cool as hell, and it's meme worthy. There should be that that there should be a million memes of, of that image or or that that gif, uh, because that was that was so I I didn't know what I was watching. I was like, what the hell is he? <laughs> Somebody gave him a pair of sunglasses after that, and he yeah. put them on to, to look like a boss because he just scored a touchdown. At the same time, he's about to die. So he's like, give me the mask. I need the mask. I need the oxygen. Give me the mask. I'm going to sit here with the sunglasses on and suck this oxygen down because I need it right now, and I don't care what it looks like to anybody. I'm just going to look cool. That's like a Rick Ross move, man. That's uh, He needs to, to, to release a rap album with that picture on the cover of it, with, with him with the sunglasses with the oxygen mask. I don't know what that would be called. Uh, if we had a popular show, I would invite – that would be a contest. We would – Invite people to call in with your, with your best name for that rap album, uh, and the winner would get uh, tickets to the next football game next weekend or something like that. But I'm just spitballing ideas on the air right now. But that that was that was interesting. That was uh, that that there needs to be a lot of memes about that particular picture. Yeah. I I give full credit to the Minnesota Vikings for not going to Philadelphia and just kind of you know like wilting, which I kind of expected them to do. The cousins paid, cousins played a clean game. Um, didn't have the soul crushing turnover as, as we expected, uh, Philadelphia did mount the comeback, but you always kind of, Minnesota was sort of always in charge of that game. Yeah. They, they were leading, uh, after that, uh, Linval Joseph, uh, touchdown run back, uh, they took the lead and they never relinquished it. It was actually right. a brilliant game plan by the, the OC for the Vikings, John D. Filippo. Uh, because Minnesota came out throwing and just kept throwing, and they knew it was week. I, I talked about it on the on the re, on the preview show for week five that it was number thirty-two on the ground versus number one. The, the Vikings came into that game with the dead last running offense in football when you go by uh, yards per game, and the Eagles came in number one in rushing defense in yards per game. So they knew. We're not even going to bother. Just, just keep throwing. Yep. Just throw. They, they had a bunch of bubble screens to Stephon Diggs, which uh, every time I see it, uh, a, a well-executed, what they call the bubble screen, but what 
we knew back in the day when we were playing pickup football, just you out to to our guy Jamie Slappy. Oh, yeah. So every time I see it, I call slappy it the Slappy. Screen. The Slappy screen. <laughs> I believe that was the play. That was the play. Just just snap it and throw it to the guy and let him do his it thing. Was basically, that was the play. And then people who don't know, uh, our, our, our friend Slappy, he was like probably 5'1", five, 5'2". Five, I mean, he was a little guy. <laughs> right. I mean, he's a really little guy, but you know, he he, he caught everything that was near him, um, and he was kind of that elusive, <laughs> you know, type. <laughs> so yeah, no, that would basically be the play where if if I looked if I looked over and I saw somebody playing back on him, that was it. So did we? Yeah, just did had we, the, the eye contact, that? and yeah. he knew, and then you knew, and then you yeah, snapped him. If I saw right if I saw the guy covering him. You know, standing seven, eight yards back, waiting to run down the field with him, and I, I'd pop that thing over to him right away and just let him run around. I, I guess we were sort of visionaries. Took advantage of what was there. You, you took yeah, what was doing this, doing this back in you know ninety ninety what ninety two. Could could have been an OC in the NFL. I, uh, I could have so, been. So they used they used a lot of the slappy. They uh, they use guys you never heard of when they did run the ball, so it's really hard to game plan for for runners that you've never seen before. They had some guy named Rock Thomas uh, run the ball, and and another guy named Mike Boone. I, I had no yeah. idea who these guys were. Um, Philly uh, on the other side kept Carson Wentz in shotgun, trying to protect him from the soul crushing turnover and and the beatdown, and and it didn't work anyway because Steve Weatherly came in and had a tremendous uh, inside move to get to the strip sack uh, and the ball fell into Linval Joseph's belly. And that was uh, sort of the game because like I said, the Vikings never trailed after that. So yeah, a uh, tremendous team effort, very impressive all around the, yep. the offense and the defense. Uh, everybody came to play for, for Minnesota. They, you kind of have to play your best game if you're going to go up and beat the champs in their house. And that's exactly what they did. Yeah. You know, and we're, we're five weeks in. I still, I still feel like I know the, uh, I know the Bears have been extremely impressive so far, but I, I still get the feeling that the Vikings are going to are the class of that division, and I think we'll start to see that start rounding into shape because this is an impressive win against a really good team. And I'm still uh, imp- I'm very impressed by Aaron Rodgers. Uh, if he, if they're not the class, if the Packers are are not the class yeah. of the division anymore, they're still right there because Rodgers continues to play some incredible football on, on that bad knee, which obviously yeah. is getting much, much better. Uh, but not enough because as you had locked it down, the, the, the lions had their number and were able to, to get that win. Uh, it was ugly. It was, it was almost uh, Titans winning ugly, but, but they did manage to get it done. Yeah. Well, I mean, the game starts off with the Packers muffing a punt. Basically, you know, the guy who's down there blocking the Lions has the ball bounce off of his shoulder and roll down to the one-yard line. Had no clue it probably even touched him. And the light and the Lions are sort of Johnny on the spots and uh, jump on that ball. And that's that's an immediate touchdown. And then the Packers turn right around, and then the next thing you know, they're down 14 to nothing. And they were playing catch-up that whole game. Uh, you don't expect Mason Crosby to miss four field goals and an extra point. That's rough. Yeah. That's a bad that, – that gets most kickers just – yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was that bad. It really was yeah. that bad. He I could, I could almost imagine – straighten it out. 
I could almost imagine a, a highlight reel, low light reel, I should say, of his all all of his missed kicks uh, timed to that music. Yeah, you know, with it all a little sped up, you know, because you got to do the Benny Hill like one and a half times speed of everything, you know. <laughs> right. And then right. And, and then intersperse that with like bears and half naked women running around. <laughs> Like, you know, people in bear costumes and, and half-naked women and Mason Crosby out there missing field goal just over and over and over. And then they finally let him go out there and, and kick a chip shot um, to make it an eight-point game. When, when you do, there was pretty much no chance. Like, there was barely enough time on the clock for them to do an on-site kick. And, and even if they had recovered it, I mean, yeah, we've seen Aaron Rodgers pull miracles in Detroit before and, and bite me in the ass, but uh, – no, I and both and credit to both of us. We we both pulled out our locks in games where we were sort of stunned by each other. Um, <laughs> having the result, you were completely stunned that I had the Lions as my lock of the week, and I couldn't believe you had the Seahawks as your lock of the week. Um, I and, told and you I, the Rams I, wouldn't score thirty-five. No, they scored thirty-three. <laughs> I told you know what? You. Did, did this? I mean, yes, you won the pick. But did this sort of feel like the end for the Seahawks? Like they gave it everything and still couldn't beat the Rams. But the, by the spread and by your reaction, most people didn't expect them to compete. So no, no, it's not the end. They they competed. They they were right there. They had their they had an opportunity to win, which most people didn't even give them that much. So no, I, I still don't want to completely bury them yet. I I don't have them in the playoffs or anything. No, I mean, oh. but I mean, they're what's their ceiling? Six or seven wins. Eight or nine to me. Maybe. So you've got them relevant. So you've got them because if you're an eight win. winner, a nine win team, you get to December first, you're relevant. Right, and that's not what I'm predicting necessarily. But that's, that's a, you, you said feeling. Okay. I think that's I think that's the most okay. Do. Okay, all right. I'll give you that. If you think their ceiling is eight or nine, I'm going to go their realistic expectation. I would say is six or seven. <laughs> and yes, if things go the right way, they yeah. they could get to eight or nine or, or eight, seven, and one, because that's probably, you know, that's very <laughs> likely that we're going to have some more ties this year, but no, I give you, I give you full credit. We, we, I had the right outcome where the Rams were going to put the points up on them because the Seahawks defense is a shell of its former self, but that they, they really did. They, they gave it everything they had. I mean, they, it, offensively, they, they they looked like the old Seahawks for for one day. Yeah, if they can get Chris Carson to run like that, if they can yeah. get really the most important thing that kept them in the game was if they can keep playing dirty and knock the other guys' receivers out of the game with concussions. <laughs> and, and Russell Wilson only got sacked twice. Oh yeah, that that's huge. The, the fact that he avoided being sat on by Aaron Donald multiple times that's definitely yeah. huge. Yeah, they they absolutely competed. I figured they would. They gave it all they had, and yes, they still came up with the loss. But uh, I give them a lot of credit for for playing the way they did because I, I really could not believe that spread. I really think a lot of people think that they're not even going to be competitive, and that's it's absolutely not the case. I think they're absolutely are going to be competitive all year long, and and. Uh, like I said, the ceiling is, is eight or nine wins, but they're going to be there. They're not going to, I don't think they're going to get completely like blown out of games until maybe December when, you know, when the playoff, uh, when, when, when the playoff push is finally finished and, and they're, and they're ready to go home. No, and, they're just, and, then, and then they're, and then they're just, yeah, they're, then they're mailing it in. Got it. And they credit the, uh, another offensive 
game plan of, you know, they, they got the running game going. And then when they did go to the air, they didn't bother to try to dink and doing they All right, we're just going to keep throwing bombs and, and hopefully one of them will come through. And uh, a few of them came through. So uh, that's how you, it's kind of how you have to beat the Rams. You, you can't really play with intermediate and middle stuff. You have to really go at them and, and try to hit the home run. And, and that's what they did. So that's another key to, to trying to hang in there with them. Been another but rare always, week where we, another rare week where we both won our lock. Yeah, I hope that's a trend. I'll, you know, if you keep being successful, if that means that I keep being successful, I'll, I'll take that. Uh, <laughs> so long as I win by one more at the end of the year. Uh, yeah, that that was uh, the the bombs were key for Seattle. But like I said, the most important thing, keep hitting the other guys in the head. And trying to knock them out of the game because that'll really go a long way towards towards helping you win. And the Rams, for their to their credit, you know, okay, we got our, uh, two of our three top receivers, maybe our two top receivers, are, are out of the game with concussions for the entire second half. Let's just reach in our back pocket and pull out some other receivers and just pull some other guys out of our ass and, and have them just go up and down the field. Uh, so yeah, they were just guys that you never heard of were making plays for them in the second half. Uh, so I, they got so much talent there, the coaching, the, the quarterback, Jared Goff playing out of his mind. Uh, and, and of course, always, always a good thing to have Todd Gurley back there running the ball for you. Yeah. We, we talked about this uh, last week that, you know, you feel like the more they don't have to use him, the better they're going to be in the long run. And here was a game where they kind of needed him. And, yeah, he found the end zone three times. When you need him, you need him. And, and he came through yeah. for you, absolutely. Yeah. So they're, they're still undefeated. The Chiefs are still undefeated. Uh, appear to still be on a collision course in week 11. For, I, I don't want to wish that they would both be undefeated by week 11 because that's asking so much. That's really asking for a, a charmed season all the way up to that point. But – yeah. I'm starting to get a little tingly thinking about maybe. Oh, what is maybe. that what you're thinking about? Well, well I mean, well. okay, first of all, I mean, we've got the Chiefs are going to New England on Sunday night. There's the the, so, the, the big one. Yeah. You know, so I, I think I have a sense, just a, just a strong suspicion that maybe one of our highlight games this week. Um, and, and then you've also got the Rams going to Denver. So, two big road tests for our undefeated teams. Although the Broncos, oh, wow. Yeah, I think a lot of people would think that that's not that big of a test, but that could be a sneaky test. You're right. You know, it's still a good test. I mean, the Broncos are still tough at home. I mean, the the Chiefs had to pull off a miracle to beat them um, with Mahomes doing his, with throwing the ball with his left hand and, and then scoring that, <laughs> that, that, that late. I mean, come on. I mean, so – you would think this would just be a cakewalk for the, you know, the show oh, should be easy for the Rams. They just went to Seattle and they just won. But it, it, clearly Denver's got some issues. I mean, I can't believe they went on the road and got just completely destroyed by the jets. We were making So we made fun of them. That's why. Well, and it's another one where I tell you how it's going to happen that I'm going to get fucked on this pick. Now, and that's exactly how it happened. Did, yeah. did Denver not look like a team that just played a tough Monday nighter uh, traveling across the country to the East Coast to, to play an early game? That, that's exactly what they look like. They look they, like they, they, they gave guys, up 320 yards rushing. 
that well, yeah, that what Isaiah Crowell did to them was criminal. That was that was like uh, rapist in the jail cell criminal. But even without that, even the passing, uh, the targets just wide open, and when they caught up to them, they tried to arm tackle and couldn't bring them down. And then yeah. after a while, they just didn't even try to to tackle. They were just looking at them, looking at the the guys running past them, and not even giving any effort to try to to, to run them down. That was a tired ass team. And I was <laughs> afraid of that, and I picked him anyway. And yeah, we both uh, suffered on that one. But man, they they look bad. But yeah, the Jets, Isaiah Kroll just would not go down. He just kept, and it's easy to not go down when you get the ball and there's no one there. You, you get the handoff and you look up and where where where'd they go? Where's the defense? Where I don't see anybody. So yeah, just keep running because there's nobody around. So you're just gonna keep running until they bring you down, and nobody was able to bring them down. Yeah, Sam Darnold only completed ten balls. <laughs> so I yeah, mean, was... so so he he didn't even have a particularly good game when you when you look at you know ten for twenty two, not that great. But he was those ten completions managed to go for about two hundred yards. So you know people were making plays, and your boy your boy Robbie Anderson um, did the most damage. Uh, your 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 boy back from week one, who you talked about, uh, touted up a little bit on the show when you had the uh, Jets over the Lions back on that first front end of the Monday night uh, doubleheader, and he showed up. He's the only, he's the only guy. He's, he's the only guy on that receiving core that I can name because I don't even I don't know anybody else. Quincy Inunua. I, I don't uh, I don't know who these guys are. No, they they actually they actually have guys you've heard of. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. I mean, Terrell Pryor, Jermaine Curse, uh, those are guys I mean, guys you've heard of at least. They they didn't produce, but you've heard of them. But to say I haven't seen them on the highlights. I haven't heard uh, much no. out of them. That they're not doing anything. They're they're there, but they're not actually doing much. But yeah, so there's yeah. so a, a bit embarrassing. Speaking of uh, speaking of embarrassing. There's a lot to you choose from. Um, dare we say that's so Ravens? Oh, my God. Oh, that's ridiculous. You know, so here's what's so Ravens. You're getting roasted by, uh, by the Cleveland Browns. You had – your best cornerback, Jimmy Smith, missing the first four games of the season <laughs> due to suspension. And you put up, what was it, a 5.3 yards per pass attempt on defense, which is not that, – that's beyond the lead. That's like super uh, uh, impressive. That That's like the Ravens back in the uh, Ed Reed days uh, impressive was what they were doing. And now Jimmy Smith comes back. And that's what you do. That's what happens. Is is Baker Mayfield just lights you up? That what? That that can't be anything but that's so Raven. That is as Raven as it gets right there. Yeah, I mean they 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 whipped them. I mean, granted, it was only a twelve to nine. This is this is Cleveland's going to have to win ugly too. I I don't think anything is going to come easy for them. But this is now. Two wins and a tie in one season. They haven't lost three times. They, they haven't lost more than they've lost. <laughs> um, yeah. 
they haven't lost more than they've lost. That is tech, that is that is technically correct. They're they're playing five hundred ball through week five, which yeah. is way more than I would have thought. Yeah, I, I still think they're a five win team. I'm not going to be one of these. All the Cleveland Browns are going to the playoffs after they like, after they won their first game. Every, oh, they're going to the playoffs. No, slow, slow it down. Not going to the playoffs, but they're not going to be the embarrassment of the league. And and now they have, you know, they have a, they have a tie against Pittsburgh. They have a win against Baltimore. I mean, come on. I mean, it's they not terrible. They have a gunslinging quarterback who isn't afraid to put yeah. the ball anywhere. So he's he's got that swagger. He's got that going for him. Uh, they have a uh, a guy on the defensive end that cannot stop balling. Denzel Ward just can't stop making plays out there. He is just all over the place for, for Cleveland. Uh, very impressive draft pick from last year. Uh, getting overshadowed by Baker Mayfield a little bit. But he he's just a, a hell of a playmaker out there for him. Uh, did you see uh, at the end when they get the game-winning field goal, I think it was, was it two seconds left or is that a different game? But there was very, very little time left in overtime when they got the game-winning field goal. Hugh Jackson, did you see, pulled the Donovan McNabb. Him and Donovan are waiting for, for overtime to continue out there. They were running out on the field to celebrate the field goal. Hugh Jackson was actually starting to pull guys back. Hey, hey, get off the field. We got another, we got to kick off here. We got <laughs> A little confused about uh, the overtime rules there. Well, there were, you know, there were a couple seconds left. Yeah, you got to got to play all the way to the end, right? <laughs> oh, Hugh, you know, and he deserves to be made fun of because again, O and sixteen, you, you, uh-huh. you're, that's still on your record, dude. You did that, and we still don't know how he came back, and and there he is. Uh, Confused about whether the game's over in overtime or not. That, that's but your coach. That's your head coach. They're not used to winning. Obviously. <laughs> they had no idea. It's going to take we, them we some time. Wait. to. to this, there's a muscle that they have to work on. This, this whole you winning actually thing. won? Yeah. Wait, explain that to me again. What, the game is over? We can leave? Wait, really? Oh, my God. I, and how ironic that you're throwing around this 5.3 yards per attempt in the elite passing defense of the Baltimore Ravens, and that's exactly what Joe Flacco's yards per attempt were for the game. He's right up there on the Pantheon, I guess, with, uh, with Dalton and Tannehill and Eli and all these other guys. He can just throw some clunkers in there, man. He can look oh, real he good is, and he can look real bad. Yeah, he, he is – it, he has got to be one of the. If we had a Heckle and Giant Award oh. for uh, quarterbacks, he'd probably be in the in the finals. And, and you and, named the other guy, and Andy Dalton. And then Blake Bortles. Trust, you just can't trust these guys. Yeah. yeah what what the, that Blake Bortles was again? What was that? What the hell? Some of those throws are like <laughs> what the. Nowhere near the intended receiver. Oh, but that's what you, that's what we get for picking Blake Bortles. That's what we get for believing in him. Although we again we have them going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, but we're, I believe we're more believers of that defense. Uh yeah, it's definitely based on the defense. Oh, and, and you know uh, we talked about the Seahawks showing up and giving it all they had and still managing a way to lose. I guess we could put the Giants in that same category, right? 
No doubt. And and Odell Beckham Jr. shoots his mouth off on uh, ESPN uh, in an interview next to Lil Wayne in a restaurant. It, it, if that doesn't describe culture today, I don't know what does. He somehow agrees to an interview with sitting next to the rapper Lil Wayne in a restaurant, and that's that's the interview. That's that's how you interview an athlete nowadays is, is in that situation. But he shoots his mouth off about the Giants, and he wonders why we can't throw more than 20 yards downfield. And they get out there and start throwing more than 20 yards downfield, including Odell Beckham Jr. himself throwing yeah. more than 20 yards downfield and then throwing a touchdown pass. So uh, just, I don't know if, the, I, I don't think the interview had much of anything to do with that, but it, it was kind of curious to see the Giants offense just transform magically from the first four weeks into, Oh my God, look at them, you know, really going vertical and looking much more dynamic. Uh, and all of that's just so Graham Cano can beat them with a 63 yard field goal. Yeah, what a way to lose, too. A 63. You know, back in the day, that would have been a tie. That would have tied for the longest uh, field goal in NFL history. You know, that would have been the tie with Jack Dempsey, right? Or Tom. Although Tom maybe liked to fight, too. I don't know. Was that Tom Dempsey? Yeah, Jack's the prize fighter. Oh, yeah. Well, you know. Yeah, Tom (laughs) Dempsey was a guy with half a foot. I just remember he had half a foot. That's right. That's right. And, uh, yeah. But, yeah, that would have tied him. Jack Dempsey was a, a boxer. Um that would have tied him for the longest field goal of all time, which I know has been eclipsed since then, but that used to sort of be that, that was the gold standard for, for NFL kicks. And not only that, but you're doing that down at, you're doing that at Charlotte. You're doing that at sea level. You're not doing this. Yeah, in that, Denver. It's not in Denver because uh, Jason Elam matched that record uh, in Denver. Yeah. Right. It almost shouldn't count because it's in Denver. Right. But when you can kick a 63 yarder in North Carolina, you're doing pretty good. You're having a good day at the office, and that's clutch. So not only did you kick a 63-yard field goal, you kicked it with no time left to win a ball game. It won't be remembered, but that's kind of an all-timer there. For for place kickers, yeah, that that really is. Yeah. Uh, they'll be they'll be talked about by kickers uh, for years and years and years. It's, it's kicker lore. Yes. <laughs> Remember back Almost. in the- in the old, remember in days of yore and kicker lore when you know, Grand Gano kicked that 63 yard field goal and to to win a game that in the I almost air. wonder if the clutch sort of was was removed from the situation because it's so improbable. It's like all right, let me try this 63 yarder to win it. Okay, you know, uh, I just go into it and kick it as hard as I can, and if it goes, that's in, pretty much all in. you're doing. I don't think you're really aiming. I think you're just trying to kick the ball as hard as you can. I think that's the equivalent of you're down two and you only have time for a half-court heave. I don't know if that's clutch so much as a, a lot of luck sort of no. mixed in there. I'm not to I, shit on yeah. Graham Gano, but <laughs> you still get to kick the ball 100 and, 190 feet. Hey, that's 140 more right. feet than I can kick a ball. <laughs> Yeah, I remember. I remember trying field goals when the posts would be set up, and 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 we'd be out in the in the schoolyard, and every once in a while we'd we'd try, and it's not easy. No, we talk a lot about how ugly my throws are with a football. uh, My wrist is not uh, is not very flexible, so I can't throw a football at all. About the only thing uglier than me throwing a football is me trying to place kick a football. I never got the hang of that at all. Just 
couldn't I could not I couldn't get it ten yards. I, I don't know what I would either stub my foot and come up short, or I would hit the top of it. I, I could not square that thing up for, to, to save my life. Yeah. So Clay yeah, it's, 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 it's a great skill, and I can't do it. So more power to yeah. y'all. And this is you know we just crapped all over Mason Crosby. So let's give a kicker some love on the, you know on the show here. And Graham Gano totally deserves it. Oh yeah. Yeah, when when they do the job, we will absolutely praise them. No, no doubt. Yeah, you go you go four for four and make all your extra points, and one of those is a sixty three yarder to win the game. It's a good day at the office. Uh, did not give the plugs. Let me do that real quick while it's on my mind. Uh, the blog site, our football picks are always up on the site in much less detail. Dot dot com. Uh, you can always email the show with any questions or comments. You would send that to inmuchlessdetail at gmail.com. Uh, we thank you for listening live on blogtalkradio.com slash inmuchlessdetail to listen as an after show, uh, as a podcast, to listen to the show and the after show. Uh, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, uh, any number of different podcasting apps, or you can come back to our show page and, and search through our archives. I believe we're up to somewhere in the 280s for a number of episodes uh, and still trying to get better, still working at it. As as they say on PTI, we'll try to do better the next time. We we try to do better every show. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at IMLDDre. You can follow Jason at IMLDJTG. And I I guess I don't need to bother giving out the uh, the phone line because we're about to be off the air. We only got 10 minutes of live portion left. Uh, but we've, we've had Naj in Atlanta call in uh, the last couple of shows. Uh, always good content from him. So, uh, obviously, if you want to call in, the number's right there for you because uh, if you're listening live, then the, the number's right there on the screen. We probably uh, so threw everybody a curveball today by actually doing the show on the day that we always mean to. Oh, my God. They're actually on, the, yeah. on Tuesday, as, as they yeah. originally scheduled. Well, and I sort of weighed the them. option. I'm like, okay, I can do the show tonight. And then, you know, get done kind of late and then have to go to bed and then get up tomorrow and drive all day. Or I could do the show tomorrow, but I'm not – no way I was going to do the show tomorrow night driving all day. And then having to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning to go to work for 11 hours on Thursday. I was like, you know, I think tomorrow night is going to be an early night to bed. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like it to me. It sounds like I'm going to be driving in a lot of rain, which is even better. Oh, Oh, best of luck with all that. Um, you, I don't know if there's much to talk about with your your team, the Falcons, uh, going I, to Pittsburgh, but I that's just it. sad. I told that you. Deep, now, statistically, that game bad. was pretty even. I mean, if you actually looked at just the, you know, what both teams gained and 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 first downs, and, and even though turnovers weren't that far split, but then you look at the score and you go, whoa. Uh, okay. Yeah. I mean, Falcons just they they if they cannot put up a ton of points. I mean, they gave up 41. They they are giving up points in bunches every week now and this is not going to stop. No, unfortunately that seems to be the case. That's just too many different key players, too many weapons missing defensively. Yeah. Uh and the guys that that are trying to take the place of the guys and the replacement guy, it's so obvious that they're 
replacement level and they're not what the what the starters were. Uh, you can look at it on paper and look at the starters that fell off and got hurt and say, well, the replacement's not going to be any, you know, not going to be as good as, as Keanu Neal and, and uh, Ricardo Allen and this, those guys. But when you see it, it, it's very stark when you actually watch them try to play and you see the, the gaps that are wide open for Antonio Brown and, and, and baby Terminator James Conner uh, and, and uh, Jesse James, a tight end. It's just everybody running with, with, with no abandon. And it, it was just sad to watch because the Falcons should be one of the tougher teams in the NFC. But with these injuries, they're, they're just not. No, and you really do. I mean, I hate to say it, you kind of kind of feel like the season's over. I don't think there's no way with the players that they have. I mean, there's a way that Dan Quinn may be able to to coach up some of these guys, maybe scheme them into a, being competitive in a few more ball games. Most of the year, they're they're basically going to be really good for exciting, high scoring losses, or maybe playing a spoiler role. You know, because I think there might be some teams that are going to look at that record of theirs and 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 sleep on them, and they might they they may come in and then sneak up on a few teams late, but too well for them. You you can't miss impact guys in every area. Their pass rushers have been nicked up. Deion Jones, the heart and soul of their whole defense, out. Um, Keanu O'Neal, out. Uh, yeah, everybody is just uh, too banged up. And they're trying. <laughs> I mean, there's, it doesn't seem like they've, you know, they're, they're not hashtag full of quit, but uh, no. they just don't have the, they just don't have the horses. No, they, they definitely were still, yeah. were still giving effort. Desmond Trufant specifically was trying to play uh, eleven positions. He was trying to play all eleven position by yeah. by himself, and it, it was just sad. He, he tried so hard. The, the other guys are trying so hard, but they just don't. They, they can't make up all of those missing talented pieces. Uh, on the other hand, you could say that that sort of almost bodes well for Atlanta because that means they're those guys that are hurt. They they must really be really talented if they looked so much better before than they than they do now with those guys down. So it maybe it bodes well when those guys get healthy and come back next year. Look for Atlanta to once again be a power. Yeah, and most likely playing a much easier schedule. Yes, which is sort of Certainly. that's the and that is the that's the nature of the league. The league is set up to reward failure eventually, you know, eventually Cleveland is going to play enough fourth place schedules that they're finally going to have a year where they can win a few games. And a lot of teams uh, fall into that category every year. The, a couple of these divisions seem like they just continuously cycle. The worst team in the league becomes the first place team next year. Uh, not just because of draft picks, because of the, the lack of strength of scheduling as well. Right, and because when you slot those teams, you know, for your out-of-conference games and you're going to play a first-place schedule, that's a quarter of your schedule could be you playing much better opponents than the worst, you know, than the next team down and the next team after them and then the last-place team. Mm-hmm. So it is it is set up to create the parity, which is why every year you, you get down and there's a team that makes it into the playoffs that you had no clue could be there or you end up with a team that you thought was going to really be hot and look at Atlanta. I mean, 
we thought they were going to be in something. And then just every week, week after week, they just keep losing major piece after major piece. And yeah, I, I, you still believed you had them this last week. And I was just, now I saw the writing on the wall the last two weeks. I knew better. Yeah. That's the, the one game you got on me. And then the other one was uh, Arizona on the, yeah. on the board with their first win. Yeah. It's a way that counts. The worst game of the week, but hey, I picked it. <laughs> Is that your great breakdown of Arizona San Francisco? Hey, I picked that. You know, CJ Beathard. Josh Rosen played a <laughs> Josh Rosen played a good game. Um and, and yeah. I think CJ Beathard kinda shot his wad the week before and we kinda we kinda knew what they were gonna be all about. Uh he still ended up putting a lot of yards up. You know, but he was also he was also loose with the football. And, and and Arizona didn't have to do anything spectacular. They just kind of had to not screw up. When you have two bad teams playing, the team that screws up worse usually loses. We have been waiting for somebody to emerge in Arizona to sort of take the place of Larry Fitzgerald eventually. We thought it would be John Brown for a while, and now he's gone. Thought it might yeah. be uh, another Brown, Jaron. Nope, he, he didn't do it. So the first play of the game was Rosen deep ball for some guy, Christian Kirk. Christian hey, Kirk. That, they, that might be a thing. If they have that chemistry, that might be the, the duo down there for a while. So just keep an eye on that. Yeah, I mean, the guy had a 75-yard touchdown in his very first play of the game, caught two more balls for 10 yards. But they had the one. <laughs> but that's sometimes all it takes is that shocker, right? I mean, right. San Francisco gets the touchdown. Uh, for some reason, they go for two and then they blow it. And then very next play, Arizona, you know, Josh Rosen, 75-yard touchdown pass. They never uh, they never really crystal the lead. Yeah. All right, ready for some Thursday night action? Yeah. Got some NFC East ball for you. The world champion Eagles go on the road to face the New York Giants. This one might be a little more evenly matched than you might think at first blush because both teams are coming off close, soul-crushing losses on Sunday. Both teams uh, have losing records. The Eagles are 2-3. and three. The Giants are 1-4. and four. The Eagles haven't won yet on the road. They're 0-2. The Giants haven't won yet at home. They're 0-2. They both are a little beat up. Uh, Evan Ingram looks like he's going to come back for the Giants at tight end, but uh, Olivier Vernon might not play again. Of course, Philly lost their starting uh, running back, Jay Ajayi. He's gone for the year by Ajayi, but Chris Clemens should return. Uh the Eagles, of course, being the champs, uh, should be favored, and they are on the road, even though it's uh, Thursday night. You have to be careful with those road teams. But the Eagles give three points at the Giants. Jason, who you got? Yeah, we kept expecting Carson Wentz to come back, and he was just going to roll back in. He was going to save the day, and everything was going to just get back to the way that it was last year. But the Eagles won the Super Bowl. And, and unfortunately, he's coming back to a team that, you know, heavy is the head that wears the crown. And I liked enough of what I saw out of the Giants' offense last week. They still screwed everything up. I mean, Odell Beckham fumbled a punt at the two-yard line, and then they turned into the the Benny Hill mad scramble. Um, it ended up being a Panthers uh, special teams touchdown, and they lose on the soul-crushing 63-yard field goal that we talked about. But I liked they something seemed to be clicking for them. And Carolina is not a bad team, and they went on the road and they put that together on the short week. 
I'll take the Giants straight up. I concur. I thought you uh, hated the Giants enough that you would pretty much go against them every game this year. (laughs) (laughs) I thought I might get this one on you, but no, I exact same reasons. I liked what I saw out of the Giants coming out uh, against uh, Carolina and the Eagles have not been very good stopping the ball through the air this year. I think the Giants can get some more yards. And into our VIP after show program. Yeah, I, I, I don't know why I thought that you were just not going to go with the Giants at all, like ever. But uh, especially against the, the, the team that's the Super Bowl champs. Yeah, but yeah, we're both uh, we're both calling that upset to to take place on Thursday, and I know for me, maybe for you, certainly a big part of that is also the the home team on Thursday night, and there, there's some of that in this short. And, yeah, and I think by week six, really, yeah, bad performances on the road on on Thursday night. And we're deep enough into the season now that it can start weighing on a team. You know, they've mm-hmm. played enough games. We're having to do this and turn around, and and, and especially Philadelphia just after playing Minnesota. That's you know a, a team that I'm sure was very physical with them and and they they were glad to let get out of town, um, and then still end up losing that game and and they're always playing from behind in that game. Now they got to go play again. Familiarity breeds contempt, but it also tends to lead to close ball games. So I I can very easily see this being low scoring, kind of ugly. Um, and I could actually see the Giants. We talked about the Giants and the Seahawks sort of the same last week in the pick show. Like those were two teams like now or never. Houston too, right? It's now or never, guys. You guys either got to get these wins or this season's going to be lost and it's going to start to pass you by. If the Giants pull off a win here, yeah, they'll be you know two and four, but nobody in that division has more than two wins the worst it's terrible division right now so every year we kind of get that one stinker division where it looks like eight and eight's going to get it done right now it looks like the (laughs) nfc east if nobody starts to separate themselves from the rest of the the group and it's basically just combined mediocrity you you tell me who in that division has been playing outstanding football i guess if you just did the eye test you would probably have to say that philadelphia just by some virtue should be the best team in that division. But Philadelphia loses here. They're tied with the giants at two and four and you got Washington and down. I mean, no, ugh, terrible division. <laughs> this yeah, is that division is going to send one per, one team to the playoffs and they're all going to be fighting it out all year. It would be shocking if Philadelphia doesn't eventually separate. I think their struggles are a combination of Carson Wentz still working his way back to the top form. Yeah. Uh, they've had they've had uh, some injuries, uh, offense, especially offensively. We talked about that running back depth last year and how they were rotating four bruisers just waiting to knock your block off, and how many of those guys are, are hurt now. Um, so right. Well, Garrett Blunt is gone. Blunt's gone. Uh, they they had Sproles in there for a week and he looked good. Now, right. but he hasn't played since that. Now Ajay is dead for the year. Uh, yep. So yeah, they, they've definitely taken some hits there. Uh, I think uh, I still like them to separate because defensively, I think they should be making a lot more plays on the ball uh, in the in the backfield in the secondary than they are. They're still getting the pressure up front. Their D line is still getting after quarterbacks. So to force them into mistakes, that that should come. That that absolutely should 
be something that happens even more as the season goes on. And it's it's up to Jalen Mills and, and those guys back there to sort of clean it up and, and make more plays uh, than they have so far. But uh, neither one of us have them doing it on Thursday night against Odell Beckham and the company. See, it's should be fun. It's pretty rare to look at the, the sheet and see New York, New York there. We we don't usually pick them uh, both at the same time. But... Not this year. No. Uh, no, I mean, we've been, we've been crapping on the Giants for a solid couple of years now on this show, and me specifically. I mean, I've, I've, I have not been the captain of the Eli Manning uh, fan club. Not me neither, but I thought with the full year of Odell, they'd be playing a lot better than this uh, so far. Yeah, but, but they was can, very promising. Yeah, I think that you know they went on the road in a game that it's like they had to win, and they tried. They, they they very easily could have won that game. I mean, you don't expect to lose the way they lost. You, you, they put up the thirty-one points. You think, oh, we got this. You know, we went to Carolina, put up thirty-one, and then they lose to a sixty-three-yard field goal. I mean, so, and, you know, and looking ahead to this week, oh, we were we, we've been robbed. We were supposed to on Monday Night Football. We were supposed to have the <laughs> Packers and Jimmy G, and instead, we're gonna get the Packers. And C.J. Beathard. Uh, you, you know. I have 5-0. 5-0 in the Packer games this year. My tout service, my, my run continues. You never lose picking the Packers games. Uh, there's been a lot of football shows that have pointed out the, the fact that the 49ers are scheduled for, uh, I think, uh, every – night game for the rest of the year. The, the San Francisco 49ers are favored. Or, or not favored, but they're, um, <laughs> they're, they're no. scheduled. Scheduled for, for prime time. Um, yeah, it's it's this it's this Monday. It's uh, I guess I can go look it up real quick, but it's like it's literally three or three of the next four or four of the next five prime uh, uh, San Francisco 49ers games are in are in uh, uh, prime time television. Which is not um, for, for anybody. Yeah, let's see. They're at the Packers. This is a Monday nighter. Then they have a two in a row where they have the three o'clock slot, but that's also because they play on the West Coast. So that's not like they're going to be America's game of the week or any of that. Um, okay. But they're on the West Coast for those next two games. They've got the Rams the week after that, and then the Cardinals. Then we get a uh, a Thursday nighter. They play the Raiders. Oh, that'll be a good one. <laughs> And then we get a Monday night game, and they play the Giants. And then we get the bye week, and then two more weeks go by, and there they are again at yeah. Seattle on a Sunday night game. Do, do we get the flex by then? I'm betting that they're going to be flexed at that point. They, that, that they usually bet. start the flex, if I'm guessing, after th- right after Thanksgiving. So, they used to, anyways. It used to be like the last four or five weeks. They didn't start pulling out the flex too early, but late in the season, they will flex games out a Sunday night. But I, I think would they be have stunned. the option to starting you know, as early as like week seven or eight or something like that. Okay. I think they could if they wanted to. Okay. I'd be stunned if yeah. that Sunday night game stayed in that slot. I would, too. So, yeah, we, we yeah, get subjected to four more. That's a lot. <laughs> San Francisco 49ers games. 
and they didn't deserve it. I, I mean, yes, they they had the run where they won the four in a, the well five in a row with Jimmy Garoppolo. That does not earn you four primetime games. Apparently, it does. Uh. <laughs> and, and we have to pay the price as a result. Yeah, but but again, this almost makes it seem more sympathetic for the NFL to try to have all these new rules to protect quarterbacks, because if you don't protect quarterbacks, you might have to have four primetime games with CJ Beathard. What do you do? (laughs) But what do you do with Jimmy Garoppolo? You're down the sideline and your choice is step out of bounds and take a nice gain or run into the middle of eight dudes. How many rules can you put in place to protect somebody who chooses the latter? Don't tempt them. They may come up with a new rule. If if the quarterback is running down the sideline, you can't touch him at all. They may come up with something like that. (laughs) It's just, I mean, he did this to himself. I understand. But but don't ask them, don't dare them to protect the quarterbacks even more because they just might. There was another one uh, that there may have been a lot more bad calls this weekend about trying to protect the quarterback. So there was one that I watched live. I'm trying to remember what it was. I, I, um, I saw one that was really bad because it was like two guys pancaked the quarterback at the same time, and they didn't call it. Oh, it was on Andrew Luck. And they didn't call him? Oh. It was against huh. Andrew Luck. It was on the uh, – that would have been the Thursday night game. Yeah. I believe I actually uh, – uh, somebody posted that highlight, and uh, I actually – you know, tweeted a response back to that, like that, and that wasn't, you know, roughing the, okay. I mean, like one dude hits him and then the other dude lands on top of Andrew Luck and kind of on top of the other guy and his whole body slides like full weight on top of Luck all the way across Andrew Luck, like top, like from his knees to his head. And the guy just completely like pancakes him. No call. Mm. And two dudes, yeah, it was two guys laying on him. No, it is very in, in, uh, in, inconsistent. It's just yeah. And the one that I saw that was uh, ridiculous that it got called and it shouldn't have been. This time it was during the uh, uh, Vikings uh, Eagles game that I was watching. Uh, let's see, it was uh, Michael Bennett uh, of the Eagles took Cousins down for a sack. Right, so Cousins is is holding the ball and holding it, and Bennett is able to circle around and hit him from behind. So the first piece of, of Cousins that he hits is like his hindquarters. And then because Cousins didn't immediately fall down, then it winds up sliding down his legs and takes him down by the ankles. And he took him down so softly and lovingly and gently by the ankles. And the referee threw a flag because he hit the quarterback low. <laughs> and it's like, are you fucking kidding? God, he could not have yeah. hit him any softer. He basically took out a rope and lassoed his ankles and and tied him up like a uh, like a like a calf, uh, and he did it so softly, and he still got a flag. But what what could he possibly have done? He hit cousins, you know, in the middle on his ass basically, and cousins didn't fall, so he had to do something. What did you? So what do you? What's what's the alternative? If you can't wrap the guy up by his legs after you've already hit him, what are you supposed to do? Back off? And run at his middle and try to hit him again. What do you? Uh, it's it's so stupid, and you could and it was so bad because he did it in slow motion because he was 
trying not to hurt the guy. So he took him down by the ankles, like slowly and, and softly. And then you see the referee throw a flag and Ben is looking at him. Like, why are you pulling your flag? Why are you throwing this flag? What are you doing? Uh, it, it's just crazy. So there's, there's at least one or two of those every week, but I think it's to the point now that they don't even get on the highlight shows as bad egregious examples of, of the bad rule because there's so many of them now. It's, it's, it's like the novelty is worn off now. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I, I guess it's still better than what is a catch. I guess. Yeah, which is on hiatus. You know, you get the fall it'll show be that, yeah. that have the hiatus, and they'll it'll be back in in yeah. two weeks with a very special episode of what is a catch. Yeah, we'll we'll get one that'll be a head scratcher, and it'll be at the worst possible time. Yep, you know it's coming. But this thing with the quarterbacks has kind of died down. I've actually seen a lot of the defenders are doing the like hitting them on the side or rolling sideways instead of putting the body. So, so people are clearly getting the memo now. So I, I have seen less and less of it. The first couple of weeks, it was just, it was out of control. And it's, and to me, it's still because it's it, just because it's not getting the press doesn't mean it's still last week was uh, somebody attacked Tom Brady by touching his helmet with their little finger oh, yeah. and he got flagged. Yeah. So it, it's still pretty bad. Well, it can't be perfect, right? I mean, these are still all the same officials that we've been, you know, crapping on for years. It's not like they have new officials. These guys were no good when the rules were simpler. Well, thank you for reminding me to back off and and take it easy a little bit because, as I do point out from time to time, that's a a hard-ass job, man, being a referee. Oh, my goodness. It is, is, especially when you've got the league breathing down your neck telling you to protect these quarterbacks, and they're just – they're itching. They're just – they're just – you know, they're they're almost being, you know, told to throw the flags, over call these plays. We we have to teach these guys a lesson. We can't hit have anybody hitting the quarterbacks. I was watching live uh, on Monday night when Drew Brees broke the all-time uh, yardage passing record. A game that I completely skipped. I actually forgot there was a game last night. Well, we both had the same pick, so maybe if we, we were different, it might have it might have stood out in your mind. But we both had New Orleans, and they they housed the the Redskins. But I was actually watching the play, which was a long touchdown pass that he broke the record. Uh, they stopped the game. They gave him this shitty little Microsoft Office looking sheet of paper that's supposed to be a laminated, uh, you know, something special to to commemorate the occasion. It looked like it, it cost five cents to print at Kinkos. Uh, they gave him a <laughs> think they gave him the, the ball or something like that. He goes and, and hugs his family and kisses his wife and kids and stuff on the sideline and whatnot. I read today that I completely missed this. I read that they got flagged for excessive celebration on the touchdown. <laughs> I totally missed that. I, <laughs> I, I was watching and I missed that. How do you flag excessive celebration Number one, for a guy that breaks an all-time record, right? But number two, for you stopped the game to, to commemorate it for him. But they excessively celebrated? How about you excessively celebrated by stopping a fucking game? What are you doing? Oh. Wow. But that almost goes again to, that's a tough fucking job that the referees have, because all they're doing is what the league is telling them to do. 
They're they're calling excessive celebrations. Hey, hey, at that point, Reeves should have just pretended to poop out the football or something like some of these <laughs> right. guys do now. <laughs> he should have wiped his ass with the football like uh, like yeah. Randy Moss, yeah, or pulled pulled down his pants or whatever. Uh, yeah, the referees are just flagging the what they call excessive celebration because that's what the league is is making them do, and they're stopping the game to commemorate the the the. Drew Brees breaking Peyton Manning's record because that's what yeah. the league is telling them to do for that too. They're just doing what the league is trying to. They're just I trying to do. Not, I, that can't be true. I, I was watching the game and I missed that, so I don't know. Maybe it was a satirical article or something. I don't know, but but no, was I thought I, I saw. Well, it was Deadspin, which is sometimes uh, uh, seems like it's a, a cousin to the cheek. onion. Well, I, I I'll admit I didn't read the whole article, so maybe oh, it okay. was. Uh, you looked at the pictures. <laughs> yes, I, I saw the headline and, and kept moving. Uh, yes, you, did, you, you but, didn't read the article. You took the Playboy strategy. I'm just here for the pictures. But it's the NFL, so I, I wouldn't be surprised they call the flag for some celebration. But now, now I have to read the actual article uh, before we go off the air here to make sure. No, but this that, is... Yep. They definitely had the headlines. It's in it's multiple sources. Oh, okay. How the fuck do you do that? Cincinnati dot com, Deadspin, Total Pros. Oh my god! So this is either there. Somebody has sourced, you know, basically like fake news. Like somebody started this, and then you know that people just kind of ran with it, which is which 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 can't happen. Which, happened, which has yes. happened. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I've seen a few times where even like major like newsmakers or politicians have fallen for like almost like onion type satire. And yes. then, yeah, I mean, so <laughs> it can't happen. But yeah, refs tried ruining Drew Brees' historic moment by flagging Saints for un- excessive celebration. Okay, now I now I I know where I have to go uh, to make sure that this is one hundred percent legit. Now to the game uh, play-by-play uh, on, on NFL.com and see if they have the penalty uh, listed in there. If they if they have that, then I'll believe it. But Fans hilariously mock NFL for giving Drew Brees a certificate. Certificate looks like it was... It does look... There's a good article here. Um a good article here uh, from one of the from some website, but yeah. Apparently, what do you get when you set the NFL's all-time passing yardage record? Apparently, just a paper certificate. <laughs> it looked like a little cheap laminated. I got a better plaque for winning the fucking spelling bee in eighth grade. And then, of course, the rest of the article. And, and here's the this is this is again what passes for journalism. The article's like three paragraphs, and all the rest of it is just people what they posted on Twitter about it. And Twitter exploded. Yeah. I'm I'm used to that. Oh, man. Giving Drew Brees a paper certificate while flagging the Saints for excessive excessive celebration is almost the most NFL thing ever. I like that. (laughs) Um, Oh, my God. So... Will Lutz kicks off after the touchdown from the New Orleans 20. You're supposed to kick oh, off from the 35. Yeah. He got penalized 15 yards for excessive 15 yards, yeah. Unbelievable. Wow. 
Dream big, kids, and you too can have a PDF <laughs> printed certificate just like Drew Brees. He didn't know what to do with it. He, he's kissing his wife and everything. He's about to run back on the field. He forgot he had it in his hand, and he had to go run and give it to his wife. And Oh, by the way, take this thing and do something with it. All right? Thank you. It was, it was, it was shitty. That's the NFL for you, folks. And, and I've got a, there's a really good picture of it. It really is just a sheet that says NFL record, most passing yards, Drew Brees. And it's just on a sheet of paper. So and the ref gives it to, to him. So the ref gave it to him. And then did he yeah. throw the flag? I want to know what happened. I don't, I missed the flag. I completely missed the flag for excessive celebration on a moment that they stopped, that the, the league stopped the game to celebrate Drew Brees' record. Yet the team got flagged for a session celebration. <laughs> what the fuck? That, that's a thing that happened. That that is uh, you were there for infamy that. worthy. And so definitely going to get all, some kind of an award. We we definitely are going to remember this one, right? We were all there for that. Yes, that definitely has to get some sort of award. God, how do you? How, I don't even know how you. In your mind, how do you? How do you juxtapose? Yeah celebrations that we stop the football game yeah. to have this whole big celebration complete right. with this, this eight by 11 sheet of so, paper. Honestly, at that point, if I was the Redskins, I would have sent like the biggest, nastiest dude on the team out there just to pancake Drew Brees. Cause then it's just offsetting <laughs> penalties. There's a hockey goon. Yeah. Where's Bob Probert? Just send somebody, just send somebody <laughs> in, just send a guy out there just to completely like, blow him up and drive him into the turf because all you're getting at that point is offsetting penalties, right? Unnecessary roughness or unsportsmanlike conduct. And that's just only his first one of the game. You got to get two to get thrown out. They would probably throw the goon out anyway, just because that was extra excessive. Right. And it wouldn't matter because he wouldn't wouldn't play anyway. Then it would just be a normal kickoff from the 35. (laughs) That's unbelievable. (laughs) All right. Did you uh, have anything else about Week Five or anything else? No, I, I mean that was pretty. It was a pretty. It was an interesting week, but I wouldn't necessarily call it a, like a, a good week of football. No, it was just a lot of. It was, more, uh, it was more informative than than I think anything. But there was really no. There wasn't like that. It wasn't a great game. I mean, there were some good results, but yeah, there, it was. Eh, it happened. It, it's not the best week of football that I've that I've seen out there. No, that that's why it scares me because I don't I don't know how informative that was. I don't know if you can put anything on the Jaguars getting destroyed like that because I don't know uh, if Blake Bortles will be no, forced into that many like errors that. again. The Jags just have games like that. I, yeah. I think this is what we're going to have to sort of live with: is the Jags are just not a team that you know with that quarterback are going to go fourteen and two. No, they're we going to hoping... go 11 and five and they're going to have some clunkers. Now at the end of a season, you'll look at their schedule and, and, and look at any team that goes 11 and five and you'll go, wow, they had a good year. You won't necessarily look back on the five cause you'll, you know, but, but still they'll, they'll probably win their division. They'll, they'll, they'll be a high seed in the playoffs, uh, but they, yeah, they, they had a clunker against a good team. I mean, they, this isn't anywhere on the level of what they did against the Titans. No, not at all. But it, I was guess I was hoping for more of a uh, representation of their defense against 
Kansas City's offense in clutch situations to see, you know, how the how how the performance would go on one side or the other. But there was no clutch because it was so out of control uh, early. Yeah, and the Jags are not a team that's built to come back. Oh no. So and well, especially. Maybe- well, maybe not, more not, so not, now. not in Arrowhead, no. not, not against that offense. They're, they weren't gonna, they weren't gonna do what was necessary. It would have taken what they didn't have that day, which was, you know, they needed to turn over the, the Chiefs, and they just really weren't doing it. Yeah, yeah, they definitely needed some defensive uh, stops and, and yeah. turnovers. Uh, but uh, maybe they're more equipped offensively to come back now than than ever. Not that there are any great shakes, but when you look at uh, Dee Westbrook. Uh, Keelan Cole can make some plays. Uh, yeah, I've, I've always been a fan of Dante Moncrief, even though he's uh, inconsistent. Uh, so they, they actually have, to me, more weaponry now maybe than ever. Because when you had the Allens, Hearns, and Robinson, they they both had their moment. They both at times looked like they could be the man in Jacksonville, but they were as inconsistent as Bortles. Uh, yeah. And, and so with these three, maybe there's a little more. Uh, playmaking, maybe a little more consistency, maybe uh, less likely to just completely go to sleep uh, with those guys, with those receivers. The problem is still Bortles at the, at the height of, uh, you know, in the middle of everything, you still have Blake Bortles as your quarterback, which can still be a, a, an issue. And, and let's not forget, they're doing this almost exclusively this year without Leonard Fournette. Sure. So it's supposed to be a big part of things, but TJ Yeldon is keep... really stepping in and, and doing a great job. TJ Yeldon is doing, you know, he's doing yeoman's work, but he's not Leonard Fournette. No, different, definitely different players. I mean, having both of those guys gives them a luxury uh, that a lot of teams don't have. I mean, one of them or the other is going to be very good at the position, but they do need uh, Fournette back. So, and, and, and I think they're taking the right action here because he came back and then re-injured uh, right. his hamstring immediately. And, I, you know, this is obviously they're playing the long game in Jacksonville. This is not a team that I think expects to miss the playoffs. So they're they're doing the right thing, kind of sitting him for as long as they can, and then just kind of muddle their way through. And they need to get him back at full strength. Then they become even more dangerous. So for the week, uh, I got a couple games on you. So I, I finished eight and seven, and you went six and nine. But as you said, we both uh, were able to nail our locks. Uh, so for the season, that puts me at uh, 41, 34, and three, and you at 36, 39, and three. So five games behind me. Still a whole lot of football to go. Week six coming up uh, this coming weekend. Uh, yeah, it's it's no one's uh, running away from from anybody uh, at this point, and I don't expect either one of us to run away from each other uh, as the season goes on. No, I mean, it, it, you know, we're, we still haven't gotten into that mid mid season stretch here where I, well, I'll pull off one of those like ten and two weeks. Yeah, I know that that's coming. Those are usually yeah. coming, but normally when I do that, I'm like, it seems like the last few seasons I've been doing it when I'm like sixteen games behind you, and I just <laughs> needed to, I just needed to make, uh, I just needed to make it interesting. Um, but five five games is nothing. I mean, we can flip yeah. five games pretty quick. So, and again. I, I ended up being on the wrong side of two games that, wow, I, I those were the two, those were the two I looked at, like, you gotta be kidding me, but the, the, you'll be on, you'll be on the wrong side of some of those, I'm sure as we go. 
longer in the season. We 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 both get our fair share of cheap wins, but yeah, you'll yeah. know that yeah. I'm, when I'm on the wrong side because I will be yelling and crying about it. Oh, so that's yeah. what I do. You, yeah, you I, gotta I, be sleeping me. You know, well, I've started. I've started pointing it out more because you've pointed it out so often. When I get the cheap <laughs> ones, I got to start letting you know that. Yeah, you do too. Also, get some very cheap ones as well. Oh yeah. All right. So we're uh, on for Saturday or Friday. You need. Uh, um, Saturday should be fine. All right. I don't have any plans for Saturday. Not that I know of. If things change, I'll let you know. But. Uh, for now, it looks like uh, Saturday it is. And I won't uh, go on too much about it, but how about the run just continuing? The Milwaukee Brewers in the NLCS, just amazing the season that they're putting together. Yeah. I don't know if they beat a playoff team, though. Well, they, they wow. beat who was in front of them. <laughs> they did. They get a little tougher test starting on Friday. The Dodgers, oh, yeah. I don't think the Dodgers are going to go down like dogs the way the Rockies did. <laughs> that was pathetic. No, the Dodgers should be able to put together more than a run or two. Two. I think the Rockies scored two runs in the whole series. Was it uh, zero the first two games? Uh, zero, two. Oh, no, two, zero, and zero. Ah, so yeah, they they had, they had uh, two runs, I believe, in the top of the ninth inning of Game One, and those were the only runs they scored in the whole series. Least clutch team I have ever <laughs> seen in the postseason. Um, they they were we finding ways to leave guys on base, and that's what happens in the playoffs sometimes. And as a result, we don't have to watch them anymore. But now you know what we're starting to see, though, and this is where I fear for the Dodgers. I know that councils finding ways to like slap their pitching together. But if you look at just about every team that's left, they, they actually have real pitching rotations. Right. And lots of guys they can throw at you. I mean, it it goes a long way when you have a guy who can go out there and give you seven versus a guy you barely trust to give you three and two thirds. Well, certainly in the regular season, uh, you'll agree with me, more than ever this year, it seemed like a starter that went five was like, uh, oh, my God, he went five innings. What a great outing. I know. It's ridiculous. It yeah. felt like it was so hard to find a guy to, to go five now. It's just more and ever. The guys now that lead the league in complete games every year, they, they pitch like two complete games. Mm-hmm. And of course, of course, when we were growing up, the leaders would be like would have like seven or eight complete games on the season. That that's that definitely is a thing of the past. Yeah, I don't think we'll ever see that again. No, I'm, I really not, don't think not so. even close. Cool. And I don't know if it's a good thing. I'm not totally sure either. I, I know it, it is what the, what the game is today. It's not changed. It's not going anywhere anytime soon. The game is get that starting pitcher to ex- extend and expend yep. as much uh, energy and as many pitches as possible uh, so that you can get into the bullpen. That is the game. That's the strategy. And I don't think that's changing uh, anytime. That's only the strategy. If your bullpen's any good, See, that can't be a strategy. If your bullpen's trash. No, that's the strategy that the, that the opposing hitters are all using against any pitcher is just extend him out. Wear him out as much as you can and get him get his pitch count up 
so that you can get into their bullpen. Yeah, and really, uh, really go to work. So yeah, it'd be a uh, be a very interesting. What? It used to be only the Yankees and Red Sox did that, and then people people saw how they were winning by doing that and making the game four and a half hours long, and now everybody's doing that. Yeah, this will be interesting to see. You know, the NLCS should be. I think it, I think it's going to be exciting. I mean, it, it, it's here. You know, it's happening here. I mean, the uh, Brewers have the home home field, so they'll they'll be uh, they'll be starting the series in Milwaukee, I believe, game one Friday night, and then you'll have uh, looks to be like it'll be Astros Red Sox Yankees are. Looks like there's still game. It looks like that game's still going, unless I'm on delay here. I wouldn't be surprised. It's a Yankees Red Sox game. It's so probably going to go four, all night. It's four three in the bottom of the ninth, uh, two on two out. So at least that's what I've got here on my MLB app, just sort of sitting here updating me on the on that game. If the Red Sox do manage to hold on here, that would make us have an Astros Red Sox World Series. And so you look at Astros, Red Sox, Dodgers, Brewers, and you kind of look at it and go, you know, one of these things is not like the other one. <laughs> um, so I honestly think I, I've had the suspicion this whole time that the National League playoffs were just to determine who was going to lose to whichever team comes out of the AL. I think either the Red Sox or the Astros are just way too good. They and come at you so in. many ways. I mean, you feel like the Brewers are kind of like a one-trick pony. Um, I do think the Dodgers are better. I think the Dodgers kind of muddled along all year. They kind of sleepwalked through the year. They kind of did the Seattle Seahawks thing where they just kind of knew they were better. And in the end, it ended up working out that way. But, man, the Astros and the Red Sox, they 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 can pitch. They have good bullpens. And, man, I mean, the Astros' offense is completely completely overlooked. I mean, how do you overlook the Astros, the defending champs? Everybody just wanted to talk about the Red Sox and the Yankees. Yeah, but, I, man, those Astros, Mar- Astros are they're fast, they're young, they can hit for power, play some slick defense. They're a good team, a great team. I was just marveling all year at how dominant the Red Sox were, but I certainly didn't keep the Astros out of mind. I, I, yeah. I remembered them. I just didn't I know if both uh, of us did. Both of us have the Astros winning the World Series this year. We did. So we sure did. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I, I certainly didn't forget about him. I just couldn't believe how great Boston had been. Yeah. Um, and it looks like that series is over. Yeah, they third third out. Looks like Glaber Torres made the final out for the Yankees. So it's over. It, so. it looks like Eduardo Nunez uh, tore or something trying to make that play. Um, and he made the play. It was like a slow dribbler to third. Um, yeah. And he had to glove it and throw real quick. And uh, he, he's, they're celebrating, but he's still down on his knees. On the, on oh, the geez, did he crumple? Yeah. He he may not be uh, available. So. It's all right, Eduardo. I overpaid for you in fantasy this year. You won't <laughs> be back anyways. So. He made he the play, though. A- just became a dollar player if he tore something really bad. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's all I think about. See, all I think about is fantasy. <laughs> Everything is through the prism of the fantasy league. Well, it's, it's enough on the line for it to be yeah. that important to us. Red Sox Astros, that's a hell of a series, too, now. 
that's that's it. That's one two. That's the yeah. Well, I mean, me, wouldn't, uh, I mean, technically, Dodgers uh, Dodgers Brewers is also one and two. Yeah, but good lord, I do not <laughs> consider the Brewers the number one team in the National League just because they happen yeah. to have the best record. Uh, right. So you're gonna you're gonna have them. You're gonna have you know, Kershaw and Ru or <laughs> how do you say it? I just uh, call him Hiroki Kuroda. <laughs> no, you cannot call oh. him Hiroki Kuroda. Can I call him Kenta Maeda? It's easier to say. <laughs> no. You can't call him Shingo Takatsu. You can't Kenta call him Hiro Dice- Tanaka. No, Daisuke Matsuzaka. Oh. No, you can't call him any of those. Did oh. I say his name right? Hidden Jin Ru. I, I can't say it. Just normal. Ru. We'll call him Ru. Ru. It's close enough. I don't want to have you keep repeating it because we might get in trouble. He sounds like a guy from Street Fighter. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. What's that sound that the one guy made? Hi, hi, hi! I forget what yeah. the sound was. Kyle versus <laughs> Jin Ru. Ready? Fight! Some sort of crazy kick that somebody made a, a some kind of weird sound that I remember. <laughs> Hi, you got some something like that. Yeah, the kid. Yeah, 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 yeah something yeah. like that. Everybody remembers all the the Mortal Kombat stuff, you know, and then the Street Fighter, you know. You had the one chick would kick her feet and be, like, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so we've got yeah, so no, they're loaded too. Uh, they've got uh, was it Bueller, Walker Bueller, Walker Bueller. Uh, he looked good the other day. Yeah, I mean the, the Dodgers are. Not, I don't think. I mean, if the Brewers sweep the Dodgers and it'll be like what, fifteen wins in a row, that would be impressive. Right, that uh, you can't take anything away. Um, I was going to ask, is your wife going to run down there for any of those games? I know she's, she's a big Brewers fan. I know she's. I know she's. I know she knows people who've been trying to scoop up tickets. I know if if, if it was the White Sox, I would have to make. I would have to make my way down there to. Uh, for, for the honest, I mean, if they go to the World Series, I mean, I would, I couldn't blame right. her if they go to the World Series for wanting to scoop up a ticket because, yeah, you almost have to. I mean, I, I felt bad that I didn't have a chance um, to do it, you know, for the Cubs, but that would that would have been a see, that would have been a ridiculous ticket. Those tickets were going for like oh my thousands God. of dollars. Yes. Well, of course, it was the Cubs in the World Series, which most people didn't think would ever happen in their lifetime. Right. So I understand that. I'm still that. trying to figure out. My wife said she got offered tickets for Monday. Oh, Monday night. She must have meant the Packers because the oh. Brewers are in Los Angeles. That's why. She said somebody offered her tickets for 80 bucks. Yeah. The, That's good. So she must have are... been talking about the Packers-Niners game. Well, I'm off on Monday. What the hell? Why aren't we going to this game? No, we you want to pay eighty dollars to. We got kids. Well, you got kids, and do you really want to pay eighty dollars to see? I need I need to wash the taste out of my mouth from that tie. Is what I need to do. Oh, okay. Well, I still have that. I still have that horrible feel. I'm going to that. Well, obviously, I'm going to the game in December on December 9th when they play the Falcons. The Packers will win that game. <laughs> So I don't have to worry about, you know, my wife going to see the Packers win this year. So that's going to happen. Well, you hope that uh, Rodgers doesn't get knocked out before then. Well, okay. Then I will say <laughs> if Rodgers is still playing, 
mm-hmm. the Packers will win that game. Although they might be able to, they might be able to beat Atlanta's defense with Deshaun Kaiser. No, oh, well, that's their bad. I, I don't, I don't know about that one. But yeah, I don't know if that's the taste that you want to get in your mouth to wash the taste of the of the tie out because this might be even uglier than the tie on Monday. Well, it's gonna be it's gonna be an early December game at Lambeau Field. I'll be freezing. Yeah, I, that reminded me that I was gonna say that how terrible of a White Sox fan that I am because I was sitting there when they won the. I know it's been erased from the history books, but the White Sox won the World Series in 2005. No, they didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, No, it really happened. And the reason I didn't go after any tickets for that is simply because it was cold. I didn't want to go to a baseball game. It was going to be 34 degrees. In October? Yeah. Uh Oh, it was. I definitely remember how cold it was. This is why when we talk, I, I remember when we talked about that opening day, I forget what year it was, but it was opening day. Cubs and the White Sox both opened up on the same day in April and it was like 35 yeah. degrees and there were 38,000 people at Wrigley Field and yep. 750 at Comiskey. And that's way overinflated. <laughs> was that just the gate? Was I'm sure there were not. I'm sure there were not 750 people. But there were actual. I was. I, I know this because I was there. There were 38,000 people at Wrigley. That place was packed. In 35 degree weather. In 35 degree weather, and across town, it was 750 people. It's because it's the Chicago Cubs and the Bridgeport White Sox. We talked about that. <laughs> That would have been the no, day I, to be out there shagging foul balls, though. I mean, you could add a whole section to yourself. Right. If I would go out to the bleachers during batting practice, there'd be nobody out there with me. No, but I, I did not ask a single soul for a, a Sox World Series ticket. Because <laughs> it was, I knew how cold it was going to be for those two games. I remember watching on TV. I remember watching Lou Rawls, uh, Rest in Peace, singing uh, the uh, the anthem before game two, shivering his balls off. He looked like he was about to die right there on the field. It was so fucking cold. Uh, Rawls balls? Lou Rawls was freezing his balls off. Rawls balls. That's spelled B-A-W-L-S. Rawls balls, baby. And I was just not – I know it was the White Sox in the World Series, which is about as rare an occurrence as the Cubs in the World Series. But I just wasn't interested in sitting in, in that weather. I'm just, and they swept I, I would, them. They swept they the swept Astros them. right out of the right – one, yeah. one and two in, in the Comiskey, and they never came back. So, so I never got a chance to – I was like, oh, if they come back for six and seven, I'm definitely out there. No, they never even managed to, to come back. So, But but it did happen. I'm sorry if, if people are still salty about it for whatever reason and want to erase it from history, but it happened. <laughs> That I think people were just such in a fever. Not not like Cub fans. It was the announcers. It was like the media conveniently forgot. No, it's the Cubs. The Cubs make everybody go yeah. stupid because it's the Cubs. It's just it's worldwide. It's it's pandemonium. It's you know WGN. It's Harry Carey. Yeah. It's, it's every. It's all of it. I, you know, I, I kind of understand, but it was still. But even though, even with that, you're, you know, it's, it's ESPN, I believe, is where I heard them 
it was first and, and maybe it may have been other places that followed suit, but that's the place where I first heard them reference when the Cubs won the World Series that it was the first World Series victory for Chicago since nineteen whatever. Nineteen oh eight. And I'm like, um no. yeah, did this happen in oh five? The, the, the Chicago White and at that point it was like, okay, it's it's not the Chicago White Sox, it's the Bridgeport White Sox, so never mind. But yeah, if you're a sports organization, if you're the worldwide leader in sports, I think you would try to keep that, uh, you know, keep some integrity, keep some journalistic integrity. I would hope. But I guess you'd not. think. You'd yeah. think. But I'm not salty. No, not at all. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll get out of here on that note. Uh, so Saturday night at nine Saturday Central, nine Central, ten Eastern to pick the rest of Week Six in the NFL. Our our favorite occurrence of the football season is coming up on Week Six. Yes, it's the first London game that we have to figure out and try to deal with. Oh we, yay! Yeah, get to to look forward to that. Uh, London uh, for their special gift this year, and because we know this whole thing is, is such a, a boondoggle, and they don't actually send good games over to London, they just try to pretend like they love London and have to keep sending these games over. There's always shit games. Yeah. Uh, this year for the first London game, they get to get treated to Murga. They, they get the Raiders over there. Uh, they take one of the home dates from Oakland, and they send them over yeah. to England to, to, to host the Legion of Room. So that's the first London game this year, uh, the first of probably hey, let's a, just, probably four. I mean, let's just think about this, though. Let's send <laughs> the two teams that have to travel farther than anybody else. Oh. Let's send the let's send Seattle and Oakland to London. The two westernmost teams in the league. Yeah. Send them. Many many hours east, ten hours east or whatever. Now I, I you know, and, and knowing the NFL, um, they don't give them bye weeks. Uh, I believe. Do they give them bye weeks for week seven? They do. Okay, that they thank should you, NFL. Yeah, they, they thank just, you. I think they just started doing that last year. I remember because I believe the Colts uh, took the option of not taking the bye week after the London trip because and they it had the it. Worst decision they could have ever made yeah on purpose they came up with some cockamamie story about they believe it was better for their players to have the bye week later because they get to use the rest you know they they get to utilize the rest better later in the season as opposed to earlier in the season so they preferred to take the bye week later so they came back and played the next week and looked like you know complete shit so Yeah. yeah But yeah, if you want the bye week after London, I believe you get it from now on. I believe that's uh, that's baked in. So yeah, every team every team should take that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why you would even why you would even think for a second not to not to do that. No. All right, so week six, and of course the main event of, of week six. I'm definitely looking forward to KC and New England on Sunday night. So we'll definitely get into that. There's no doubt that'll be a, a highlight game for us. Uh, so we will look forward to tomorrow, uh, to Thursday night uh, for – I'm so used to this being a Wednesday show – to Thursday yeah. night for Eagles and Giants, and we both got the G-men to, to pull off the victory over the champs. So we'll see how that goes. All right, and if you have anything else. No, I'm good. I got to get to bed. I got a long day tomorrow. All right, sounds good. 
He is Jay. I am Dre. This has been In Much Less Detail, the podcast. Thank you all for listening. And we will be back Saturday night, 9 p.m. Central, live, 10 p.m. Eastern, to pick the rest of week six in the league. Have a good evening, everybody. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.